Welcome, everybody, to the week six of Wager Ragers. Um, we are into week six of the NFL. I am your host, Joshua J.T. Buckner, coming to you from the great state of New Jersey. And joining me today is my compadre, Jonathan the Hedgehog Donneth. Hello, everyone. Also, the Hedgehog. From the great state of New Jersey as well. So, Week five was an interesting week. Um, there were upsets, one of which was the, game, the second game that I chose, which was Chiefs and Raiders. But overall, it was a pretty exciting week. Uh, we're going into week six right now, and COVID is still uh, affecting the NFL. There have been positive tests. It looks like all the games so far are a go, um, but you know everything is a, a kind of a wait-and-see approach. So to sort of recap how we did in week five. I, of course, as everybody knows, uh, I'm a Jet fan. Proud to admit that I'm a Jet fan because I am rooting for the 0-16 season so that the Jets can draft, draft Trevor Lawrence, who today threw another five touchdown passes against Georgia Tech. So he looked phenomenal today. The Jets did what the Jets usually do, and that's disappoint. They played terrible. They got blown out against the Arizona Cardinals. And the line last week was seven and a half. I told everybody out there, bet the Cardinals heavy, give the points, and bet Arizona. And they didn't let me down. They covered the spread, and it was a pretty easy cover. And, uh, you know, the Jets did what the Jets do. And we'll see what happens this week. I mean, I'll talk about that with my first game. But as far as my prop bets, I had Kyler Murray over 44 and a half rushing yards. He didn't cover that, unfortunately. He only had 31. I had DeAndre Hopkins over 77 and a half receiving yards. He covered that by a mile, had 131 receiving yards. Unfortunately, I fell short on his receptions. Uh, it was six and a half, and he only had six. Uh, I guess I should have seen that coming because he probably had, I mean, he obviously had lots of big play receptions. And so probably should have stayed away from that but in any event I did pretty good on the Jets game as far as the Chiefs Raiders game I I went against my better choice to not bet double digit favorites but again it was the whole bet the Chiefs until the Chiefs let you down and the line last week was 11 and a half obviously they didn't cover it because they lost to the Raiders at home which was really a shock I think to the entire league and everybody out there so unfortunately I didn't cover that game and at the time that we did our pod there were no uh, player props. So I didn't have any player props for that game. Uh, John, how'd you do? With that Chiefs Raiders game, Derek Carr had a horrible record of performance at Arrowhead previously. Um, but you know what? I think the Raiders are just better this year. And that's sort of how it goes, right? You sort of learn who's, you know, what teams are all about as the year goes on. I did get a nice hedge on this game, actually. <laughs> Late in the game, I got the Chiefs getting eight and a half. And they were able to cover with that kind of point spread uh, late in the game. For myself, last week I took three games. I took Eagles-Steelers, I took Chargers-Saints, and I took the Ravens and the Bengals. So first, with the Eagles and the Steelers, I took the Eagles reluctantly at plus 7.5. Now, that did not cover. However, I think it's important um, for us not only to give you our picks, 
But we, what we do in addition to that is tell us how we arrived there, right? Betting is organic to me. You have to get a feel for the games. You have to watch the games to really do well. And that's where this whole idea of hedging comes in. So at getting seven and a half, I felt nervous about it. But the Eagles at home coming off a big win in San Francisco, uh, I, I couldn't lay that, those kind of points. So that didn't cash for me. But you know what did is during the game, the point spread, the live point spread went up to 17 points. So I took the Eagles at plus 17, cashed that. As far as some of the props that I had, I liked Carson Wentz over one and a half passing touchdowns. He got that. I hit the Miles Sanders, both the rushing and the combo rushing and receiving. Now, a lot of that came on 175-yard run, and you'll see that's a big reason why I'm not taking that again this week. Also crushed Eric Ebron, uh, three and a half catches at plus 110, and receiving yards, 37 and a half at minus 112. And again, that was based on the Eagles linebackers' performance in the week prior when they let George Kittle completely run all over them. So I did really well in that game, didn't hit everything. Uh, Greg Ward, for the second week in a row, his over-under on receptions was four and a half. And for the second week in a row, he had four catches. So that didn't quite work out. But keep that in mind for the Eagles game later in the pod. Also, Wentz rushing at 14 and a half yards did not cash for me. Chargers Saints, which was the Monday night game, the Chargers were getting plus nine earlier last week. I love that. Cashed on that, as everyone knows. However, playing it organically during the game. I also got the Saints plus two and a half when the Chargers were actually leading that game. So I cashed both ends of that game, threw in a couple of player props. During the pod last week, the props weren't up yet, but I did cash uh, ultimately Justin Jackson, two and a half catches at plus 107. Also cashed Justin Herbert, 260 passing yards, which I bet before the game. And then during the game, live betting on FanDuel, I got passing yards 207 as well. Last game that I took last week didn't go quite as well. That was the Ravens and the Bengals. The Bengals were initially getting 12 points. I like the Bengals in this game with the idea that the division opponents often play each other very tough and that the Ravens and Bengals in their two games last year, the Ravens crushed the Bengals in, in game one, but the Bengals were, were quite close in the second game. Uh, that obviously did not work out. The Ravens won 27-3. Uh, I actually even missed a hedge opportunity during the game because I took the Bengals at plus 22 and a half um, and missed out by uh, one and a half points. But this is kind of how I look at it. Anytime a division opponent during the game with a quarterback like Joe Burrow is getting over 20 points, I'm going to take them. And this might have cashed if not for Patrick Queen returning a fumble for a touchdown with only six minutes left in the game. I loved, 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 loved Tyler Boyd at over five and a half catches plus 122. He only had four catches. What are you going to do? It was a bad game. I think my takeaway from this game is I don't think this changes what I, what I think here. I think, you know what, the Ravens are a really good team. Uh, but whenever I see division opponents where you have a double-digit point spread, I'm going to think long and hard about taking the underdog. And then live betting, if it gets to 20 points, I'm going to take it almost every time. And uh, that's basically how my week went. Yeah, so I know I had said last week that I didn't like the Eagle game. I actually loved Steelers in this game, just based upon their defense and how they've, how they've been playing this year. Um, but what I did was I, went, I dialed it back. I dialed it back to my early days of betting, and I teased 
the Steeler game with the Jet Cardinal game. So if anybody out there doesn't understand what a teaser is, if you pick two teams, you can move the line six points. So you can move it down. So for instance, in the, uh, the Jet game and the Steeler game, both lines were seven and a half. So you can move it down to one and a half for both games. The thing with a teaser is you got to hit both games. Um, so what I did was I teased the Jet line down to one and a half, and I teased the Steeler line down to one and a half, and I hit. Uh, Steelers and Cardinals both covered that teased down line. Also, I did a, uh, I hedged in the game, a John Donath move. And at the time I got the Steelers giving only two and a half points and they hit that as well. So those were my bets on the games, John, that you picked. Uh, so I hit on both of those, which was uh, which was a nice cash by me. So let's move into the week six games. I'll start it off with the Jets and the Dolphins. I guess everybody knows where I'm probably gonna go with this game. Right now on DraftKings, the line is the Jets getting nine and a half points. I mean, honestly, I, I know my philosophy is never to bet double digit favorites. And if the line was probably 10 or more, I probably wouldn't bet it. Although given the way that the Jets have played this year, I can't see the Jets staying within two touchdowns of Miami. Miami destroyed San Francisco last week. Uh, and they probably ruined a lot of people's suicide or knockout pools where you take the Dolphins versus the 49ers, but the Dolphins just laid the wood on the Niners last week. Something the Jets couldn't do at home against the Niners. They got destroyed by the Niners with a backup quarterback, which seems to be the common theme this year with the Jets getting destroyed. The Jets are in the bottom two doing both points per game, yards per game, and point differential. They average 15 points a game. They're only putting up 279.4 yards per game on offense, and their point differential is a whopping minus 86. So, where does that leave me? I'm, I'm on the, the Dolphins, given nine and a half points. I, I can't see the Jets staying within two touchdowns. Um, the Jets are a mess. Uh, Gase is a disaster. Greg Williams just called out the offense this week. Uh, no Sam Darnold, no first round pick in Mekhi Becton to protect Joe Flacco, who's going to be playing quarterback again, who looked terrible and rusty last week. And they're probably going to be without Perryman, their big free agent receiver who basically hasn't played this year. So I'm all over the, the Dolphins this week. I think they're going to put up another good game. I know it's Ryan Fitzpatrick and for some reason, it seems like the Jets are his nemesis, but this is a shell of a Jet team from, from prior years. Their secondary is, ter is terrible. Which leads me into my prop for this game, and that's Devontae Parker, over 61.5 yards receiving. Again, the Jets' secondary is brutal, and I can see Devontae Parker having a great game this week against you know a bunch of no-name cornerbacks. So that's my prop for this game, and... Uh, I'm all over the Dolphins laying nine and a half. John, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it's hard to disagree with you on this one. Uh, again, division opponents know each other very well. Big point spread. But the thing is, the Jets have looked so bad, and they really do seem to be such a mess. Uh, I, I can't imagine that Gase is going to make it through the year as the coach. They just released Le'Veon Bell. Uh, their a supposed franchise quarterback isn't playing. 
Now, I, I still think the Jets are going to pull out one of these games and win at least one game this year. But good luck predicting when that's going to be. And until that happens, I think you've got to take the favorite against them every week. So I would agree with you. Uh, and as far as the Do- Devontae Parker uh, prop, I would agree with you as well. Um, he is a borderline number one wide receiver. And him and Fitzpatrick uh, have a little bit of uh, mojo going. So, yeah, um, I would take the Dolphins and give the nine and a half and the Devontae Parker prop as well. But I'll probably just stay away because, oh, this game just does not sound good. Yeah, I mean, the Jets release basically their best player on their team. And they don't have their starting quarterback. And they don't have their, their uh, wide receiver that they picked up in – free agency, and as I said before, they're starting offensive left tackle, who basically was the best rookie so far in the first few games of this season, isn't going to play either. So the Jets are a total disaster. They're not even going to come close in this game. This is one of those games that you circle on the schedule and you say, maybe the Jets can get a win here against Miami. But Miami has looked really good this year. I mean, they're still in the hunt in the NFC East. So they have something to play for. They play hard for their head coach, and I just can't see the Jets winning this game. And quite honestly, I know everybody says there's no possible way the Jets can go 0-16 when you look at their schedule. Really? Their best chance of winning a game was against Denver, and they got blown out with a third-string quarterback. There is no way they're going to win a game this year. They still have to play the Chiefs. They still have to play the Raiders. They still have to play the Patriots twice. They have to play Buffalo again. No shot, no chance, 0-16. Trevor Lawrence will be the quarterback next year. All right, John, who do you got? Talk to me about the Eagles. Well, I mean, (laughs) every week I feel like when we talk about the Jets, it gets a little depressing. Unfortunately, guys, it's not that better in Philadelphia land. Um, The – at least the the Jets are in a position where it's like, all right, well, this team just needs to be just completely rebuilt still. The Eagles were sort of like in this in-between area, like where we think we have a franchise quarterback, we have a Super Bowl winning coach, and it's just the second year in a row in which we've been absolutely ravaged by injuries. This week, I've got the Ravens visiting the Eagles. Little tidbit, Philadelphia, for the first time this year, is going to allow some fans in the stadium. Uh, and I know the Eagles would love to take advantage of that uh, distinct home field advantage, but I'm expecting to hear a lot of boos even from the uh, smaller crowd this week. The Ravens right now are giving nine and a half. Typically, I would love the Eagles getting nine points or more at home, but as I'm going to explain, that's not the way I'm going to go this week. The money line right now is plus 380 for an Eagles win. I don't think that's going to happen. The Baltimore Ravens have quietly been a very, very good team this year. They have the number one scoring defense in the league. So far, they've absolutely beat up on Cleveland, Houston, Washington, and Cincinnati. They lost by 14 to Kansas City in a game that wasn't quite that close, but Kansas City is the best team in football. The Ravens are 12-13-1 against the spread in their last 16. They have the best point differential in the league. But one side note, the Ravens' defense is only 31st against the past. We'll get back to that later. Now, I said last week that I wasn't going to list every eagle that was out, and that was because the list was constantly changing, and I didn't want to waste too much time. But it bears repeating right now. 
This week, the Eagles are going to be without right tackle Lane Johnson, no Alshon Jeffrey, no Deshaun Jackson, no cor- starting cornerback Avante Maddox, no starting linebacker Duke Riley, no starting safety Marcus Epps, no starting safety Will Parks, no right guard Matt Pryor, no left guard Isaac Samalo, no left tackle Jason Peters, no Jalen Rager, no Dallas Goddard, no Vinnie Curry, and that's on top of still being without first-round pick left tackle Andre Dillard and right guard Brandon Books, who have been out all year. I mean, you just cannot possibly expect the Eagles to keep this game close. Could something crazy happen? Could Carson Wentz capture a little bit of magic at home and keep it close or maybe even pull out a miracle win? Yes, but that's what it would be. It would be a miracle win. There's no way you can take the Eagles and expect them to keep this game close based on the information that we have. So, sadly enough, if I were to bet this game, my recommendation would be to take the Ravens, lay the nine and a half. The Ravens have all of their wins are by double digits this year so far. Uh, And I I would expect it to be the same this week. Now, I don't bet against my team, so I'm not actually going to take that bet. I will keep my eye on the game, obviously, as I watch every Eagles game closely. And if the Ravens jump out to an early lead and the point spread extends to something like 20 points or more, I will hedge on the Eagles. But otherwise, I'm staying away from the spread. As far as a few props right here, Wentz TD passes. He hit over one and a half touchdown passes last week. I like him to do it again this week, and the odds are even better at plus 155. The Ravens obviously have a very, very good defense. But like I said earlier, as good as they are as a scoring defense and as good as they are against the rush, they're only 31st against the pass. So I think the Eagles will make a little hay here with Carson Wentz throwing the ball. Maybe it'll be garbage time on top of it. So I'll take Wentz for the second week in a row over one and a half touchdown passes. Gus Edwards, former Rutgers Scarlet Knight. Actually, once a Scarlet Knight, always a Scarlet Knight, right? I'll take him uh, and his rushing prop, which is 34 and a half yards at minus 112. He would have hit that in three out of five games so far. Travis Fulgham, who's been a revelation at wide receiver for the Eagles, one of the very, very few bright spots. I'll take him at over 55 and a half receiving yards at minus 112. And over four and a half receptions at plus 100. He would have hit both of those numbers last week. Now, uh, the last thing I want to talk about is tight end. Zach Ertz so far, after having multiple years as a clear top three tight end, has had a miserable year this uh, so far. But I like both Zach Ertz, four and a half receptions at plus 125, as well as 42 and a half receiving yards, which he would have been woefully short of both last week. So why am I going to take it this week? Well, I'll tell you why. There's been a lot of focus in Philadelphia this week about Zach Ertz and why isn't he still having the same production as he's had in prior years, especially now with uh, Dallas Goddard out. I expect because of that for both uh, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz to focus on Zach Ertz when it comes to the play calling. Uh, Zach Ertz did a big interview this week. I kind of expect them to focus on him during the game as well. And taking a look at the Ravens, They've, got, they've gotten some great linebacker uh, play this year. They've really rebuilt their linebacker core. Uh, LJ Fort, who's a former Eagle, which also pains me, has had some big plays this year. And first-round pick Patrick Queen, it looks like a stud. 
And the Ravens have been dominant in the last two weeks versus tight ends. Uh, but that was against the Washington football team and Logan Thomas and Cincinnati with Drew Sample. But in the uh, three weeks previous to that, the Ravens didn't do that well against tight ends. Uh, they gave up six catches to 70 yards, uh, four seventy yards to Cleveland. They gave up nine catches for 78 yards to Houston, and then six catches for 87 yards to Kansas City. Now, obviously, Kansas City has the best tight end in the league with Jason Kelsey, um, but the, the Browns in Houston don't sport great talent at the tight end position, so I think the Ravens are vulnerable at that position. I think the Eagles will focus on Zach Ertz. That's why I say give me Zach Ertz with the receptions and the receiving yards. What do you think, JT? Yeah, all good stuff, John. Um, I, you know, the the Ravens got healthy last week against the Bengals, and I really thought that game was going to be a lot closer. The Bengals have really played pretty decent this year. I expected that game to be a lot closer, but the Ravens really blew them out. And I got to be honest with you, I think the Ravens get even healthier this week against uh, the Eagles. I know it's the games in Philadelphia, and the lines right now on DraftKings, the lines actually eight and a half points. So I think I'm going to take the Ravens all day on this game. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to bet it on Sunday because uh, it is a lot of points and the Eagles are home. But, you know, listening to that injury report for the Eagles, it's just – it's amazing. It's like a mash unit right now. I mean, they're basically running like a second-string team right now. And against Baltimore, who's one of the top teams in the NFL, eight and a half points doesn't seem to be that rich for a line against a team that's completely decimated on injuries. Philadelphia's looked really bad this year. I mean, they're not – they haven't looked as bad as the Jets, but they're – no team has looked as bad as the Jets, but they've, they haven't looked good. And I honestly, I can't see them winning this game. And I honestly, I can't see them keeping it close. So uh, I, I know you don't like to bet against your team, but I do like your analysis on this game. And I think the Ravens are probably going to cover this game. If not by 10, I could even be two touchdowns. As far as props are concerned, the one prop I really like in this game is Lamar Jackson over eight and a half rushing attempts. He's like a running back as a quarterback. And I don't think eight and a half is too rich for, for Lamar Jackson. I think the only thing that could prevent that is if the Ravens go up big early, he's just going to hand the ball off to Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards, and they're going to get most of the rushing attempts, and he's going to try to protect himself because why risk injury running outside the pocket and trying to rush up the field? So – but I still like it. I don't think eight and a half is a lot of rushing attempts. So as far as props, that's in this game, that's what I like. Lamar Jackson over eight and a half rushing attempts. I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, and that was sort of my thinking too, uh, as far as the Gus Edwards prop, was that if the Ravens get up big, I could see a lot of Gus Edwards, you know, a lot of J.K. Dobbins. Lamar Jackson, I could see potentially even leaving the game in favor of Robert Griffin. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my second game, because – one of our hosts, Mr. Caracosa, who has been absent the last couple of weeks, is a Giants fan. And in honor of Coza, I'm going to take the Giants-Washington game this week. Giants are home. They're laying two and a half points. The over-under is 43. Giants are 0-5. Washington's not much better. They're 1-4. and And Washington's looked terrible the last four weeks. Just terrible. They relegated... Uh, Dwayne Haskins to third string. They elevated Kyle Allen now as the starter. He got knocked out in the middle of the game last week with a concussion. He's cleared concussion protocol, so he's back this week in the starter role. Alex Smith 
stepped in last week after breaking his leg. He, I mean, he played okay. He didn't play lights out at all. And quite frankly, every time he dropped back to pass and I was watching that game, I, you know, I cringed because I've watched the Alex Smith documentary and what he went through to just walk again, not to mention getting back on the field and playing football was just brutal. And I quite honestly, if it were me, I'd take the money that I've earned in the NFL. I go play golf every day. I wouldn't go out there and play NFL football against 300 pound linemen who could potentially snap my leg again. I mean, the guy almost lost his leg. They almost had to amputate it. But that being said, I don't have any faith in Washington. I think they're a team. that's a complete mess. They're in transition. And I think this is the chance and this is the time where the giants should win this game. They're only laying two and a half and they're home. So in essence, the Redskins are, favored sort of speak because most of the time home teams get three are you know usually give three points and they're only giving two and a half but that's that being said I think the Giants have actually looked pretty decent this year despite the fact that they haven't won a game they probably should have beat Dallas last week they uh they probably should have beat the Bears coming coming back in that game they probably should have beat the Rams away they played well against all three of those teams at least the Bears in the second half and they played pretty decent against Pittsburgh at home in the first game of the season. Although Pittsburgh pulled ahead and pulled away in the second half of that game. They're like on the precipice of winning a game. And I think this is the week that they win. And laying two and a half points to me is not, uh, you know, monumental as far as a, a point spread is concerned. And quite frankly, I think the Giants probably should be favored by more than that. Maybe it should be giving three and a half points. I'm not a believer in Kyle Allen. And like I said before, I'd be really nervous if Alex Smith came in not because he's going to beat the Giants, just because he's coming off a broken leg, hasn't played football for quite some time. And so I like the Giants in this game. Giants offense has played pretty well. They put a lot of points up against Dallas last week. And so long as Daniel Jones doesn't turn the ball over multiple times, I mean, he's probably going to turn the ball over once. It would be naive for me to think that he's not going to turn the ball over at all, considering it seems like every game he turns the ball over at least once, if not twice, maybe three times. He hasn't cured his fumbling. Hopefully he cleans that up this week. So as long as there's not multiple turnovers, uh, I like the Giants in this game uh, laying the two and a half points. And as far as props, the Giants picked up Devontae Freeman as their running back after Saquon Barkley blew out his ACL. He only has 93 yards in his first two games with the Giants. And the Washington defense is actually pretty good against the run. So right now it's Devontae Freeman, 54 and a half. I like the under. I usually go over. I like the under in this. It's good money. It's 100 to win 100. So you're not playing, paying any vig on this prop. So that's my prop for this game. Devontae Freeman under 45 and a half rushing yards. John, what do you think? This is when I heard you were taking this game. My first reaction was, "Ew, why?" Um, but there is some appeal to to some of the bets you can actually place on this game. Um, I, I think I agree with you as far as the spread overall. I do see the Giants winning this game outright, um, and then once that happens, you know, by a field goal, two field goals, whatever it is, I just think the Red, the Washington Football Team, excuse me is just a mess, an absolute mess. You don't even know who the quarterback's going to be. At this point, who really cares?
but I agree with you on the spread. As far as props go, I got another one that I like too, and that's quarterback rushing yards. You know that's a favorite of mine. I know it's a favorite of yours often too. Uh, and Danny Wooden Nichols, as he's sometimes called, maybe he hasn't been rushing enough, or that's kind of what we felt. The over-under for rushing yards for Daniel Jones is 21 and a half for this week. He actually would have hit that in three out of five games so far this year. And I could see him rushing a little bit more with Chase Young back for Washington. They have a very stout defensive line and a a very aggressive pass rush. And I could see that pass rush uh, flushing Daniel Jones out uh, and him taking off a couple of times. He's already done it three out of five games so far this year. So I like Daniel Jones. 21 and a half rushing yards. Yeah, you know, that was a prop I was looking at because Daniel Jones actually leads the Giants in rushing yards this season. He's got 130 rushing yards this year, leading the team. Uh, So I like that as well. And the fact that Chase Young is is on Washington and is a premier pass rusher, despite the fact that he's a rookie. uh, I could also see that happening as well. So I could see Daniel Jones rushing up the field and covering that prop pretty easily. So, and just, just so that the audience understands this, you know, Daniel Jones was anointed Danny Dimes after his wonderful game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. And then he turned around the next game and threw a bunch of picks. So the name Danny Wooden Nichols, that was me, kids. I created that nickname. And that's really where he's been since that, that game. He has not impressed at all. He's got talent. I get it. But when you turn the ball over multiple times every game, you should not be called Danny Dimes. And I think Danny Wooden Nichols right now, until he proves everybody otherwise, is probably a good nickname for him. So, John, what's your second game? Before I get to that, definitely you're supposed to say TM after that. That's your trademark. My only question is, is I've been dying to ask you this, and I, just, I keep forgetting. Why are the Nichols wooden? <laughs> so, okay. So if anybody remembers years and years and years ago, and, and I'm not trying to date myself, but when you went to the dry cleaner and w- when I went with my mom, they used to give you wooden nickels, like these wooden uh, coins that looked like coins, but they were made out of wood. And I guess they were for like little kids. So that's where the wooden nickel comes from. Okay. I, I never knew that. I never had go- that. Go- Google wooden nickels. You'll see. Hey, listen, I grew up in South Jersey. Uh, you know, they barely even had dry cleaners down there. So maybe that's why I didn't know about this. All right. So getting on. To my second game, I looked at the slate this week and I saw the Green Bay Packers coming off a bye at Tampa Bay and the Packers laying a whole measly point. And I'm like, let me jump all over that at minus 110 left of the middle. Um, Packers are 4-0 overall. The Buccaneers are 3-2. The Buccaneers just lost a game on Thursday night to the Chicago Bears. My goodness. And in my estimation, I didn't think they looked that impressive. Their pass rush looked okay, but other than that, just not a whole lot going on there. I think Aaron Rodgers has come out like a house of fire this year. Uh, I'm sure that the drafting of one young Jordan Love by the Packers had a lot to do with that. Rodgers has been fantastic. The defense has been middle of the road, but definitely good enough to win. The Packers themselves are 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six. Tampa Bay's only two and four against the spread in their last six. So far this year, the Packers, again, like I said, they're 4-0, and they've won each game by a touchdown or more. Now they're coming off a bye. The Buccaneers, on the other hand, 
their defense has really been their star of the show. Their wide receiver core has been beset with injuries. Chris Godwin may or may not play. Mike Evans has also been hobbled a bit here and there, although he still found ways to score almost every week. And uh, they lost tight end OJ Howard for the year with injury. The numbers they've put up have been really great. They're, the Buccaneers have been number one against the rush so far this year. However, they've got a big problem. On Thursday night, they lost star young defensive tackle Vita Vey for the year. That is big, I think. That is very big for some of the props I'm going to get into. But I just think the Packers are the better team. They're going to win outright, guarantee it. I loved it so much. I didn't just throw a 50-burger on it. I threw two 50-burgers on it. Mm-hmm. This is a tasty burger. This is a tasty burger. Dropped a hundo on the Packers to win, giving one on the road. As far as the props that I like, this is a little something else, too, I'd like to share with the audience here. Uh, we do a lot of our... Um, or we use DraftKings numbers a lot for our props and our betting numbers here. But take a look at what else is out there. It makes sense that if you're using DraftKings, also download download the FanDuel uh, Sportsbook app as well, because some of these props and some of these bets and some of these odds, you can compare between the two sites. And, And here's an example here. On DraftKings, for Aaron Jones, the combo of rushing and receiving yards, the over-under is 97.5 yards at minus 112. Really like that bet because I could see Aaron Jones having a big game here with no Vita Vey uh, for the Buccaneers. And I love the combo of rushing and receiving for Aaron Jones because he's so active in the pass game. This sort of hedges it in case he doesn't have as good of a rushing day or as good of a receiving day. But you kind of assume as a combo, he's still going to do well overall. You can do even better if you go to FanDuel. FanDuel has the combo of rushing and receiving for Aaron Jones at the over-under being 94.5 at minus 106. So better odds and a better number. I've already taken that. One more, Aaron Rodgers rushing yards. DraftKings doesn't even have a player prop available for Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers rushing yards. FanDuel does. It's only 10.5 rushing yards, which he would have hit three, uh, three out of the four games and it's minus 122. So make sure when you're looking at some of these bets, set up FanDuel Sportsbook and DraftKings Sportsbook right next to each other on your phone, and you can double check some of these bets back and forth. And sometimes you can get better odds, a better number, or both to make yourself some money where otherwise you might just fall short. So that's what I like. I like the Packers giving one on the road to the Bucks. I love the Aaron Jones combined rushing and receiving at 94 and a half minus 106. And I took Aaron, Aaron Rodgers rushing yards, 10 and a half. JT, agree or disagree? I'm going to have to disagree on this game. Um, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, Tampa Bay's home. Tampa Bay's getting a point at home. And I'll tell you why I disagree. I disagree because of number 12 playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've learned a long time ago that you don't bet against Tom Brady and the Patriots. I get it. He's not on the Patriots any longer, but he's still Tom Brady and he's home and he's getting a point. And although Tampa Bay, you know, kind of wet the bed last week, I can see them rallying this week, having a good game and 
uh, getting back in the win column, even though they're playing the Packers, who quite frankly are hands down right now, probably the best team in the NFC, maybe next to Seattle. But I think overall package, I like the Packers over the Seahawks. The Seahawks defense is not that great this year. But it's Tom Brady, and he's home, and he's getting a point. So I am, you know, if I had to bet this game, I'd bet Tampa Bay. But it's a game I'm probably going to stay away from just because of the Tom Brady factor. Could I see Tampa Bay losing? Of course I could. But I could also see them winning because he's Tom Brady. And the Tampa Bay defense has played really well this year. So if I had to bet it, you know, gun to my head, I'm taking Tampa Bay. Uh, But it's a game I'm probably going to stay away from. And as far as props, yeah, the one prop I really, really was looking at was Aaron Jones rushing and receiving, just like you said. And that's the one prop that I really like in this game, at least for now, uh, today. Uh, that's the one that really stood out to me. So if I, if I was going to prop bet this game or bet it at all, that's probably the bet that I would go with is uh, Aaron Jones over rushing and receiving. And I liked your, uh, your analysis of, of comparing the two you know, biggest uh, sports betting websites right now or apps is you know, DraftKings and FanDuel. And so definitely out there, compare – you know, compare the props, compare the lines, although the point spreads are probably gonna, not going to be different from site to site, generally speaking, but the props will be different. And if you can get, you know, three yards less on an over on a prop bet, like with Aaron Jones rushing and receiving, of course, I mean, go with that over just strictly betting one, uh, one sportsbook app. So that's what I like in this game. Any other thoughts, John? Yeah, one more on this game. I feel so good about it. I'm going to start a new segment for our podcast for all the Lost fans out there. This one's going to be my John Locke of the week. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! This is destiny. This is destiny. This is, this is my destiny. This is, I'm supposed to do this, damn it! Don't tell me what I can't do! Hackers giving one. Bet the house on it. Don't tell me what I can't do. Right. So before we head into our, our final segment, which is the tracks of the week that we like this week, I'm just going to throw out there my, my college football betting nugget this week. And uh, as I have the self-proclaimed college football savant, my pick of the week this week is Alabama at home against Georgia. It's the college football game of the week. It's one versus two, or two versus three, I'm sorry. And, you know, Alabama thought they were going to be without their head coach, Nick Saban. There was a, uh, uh, a, a Twitter post picture of a guy with a mustache. There was Nick Saban with a mustache invoking the old Bobby Valentine. I'm going to stay in the dugout with my mustache and glasses years ago for the Mets. And it was, uh, it was entitled, the, uh, the brother of Nick Saban, Rick Saban, uh, signs a one-game deal with Alabama to coach the the uh, Crimson Tide. But Nick Saban had a third negative COVID test and will be on the sideline tonight for the Tide. So I like Alabama giving six points to Georgia. I know Georgia's played well, but I think the team's going to rally around Nick Saban coming back to the sideline. They thought they were going to be without him. And I like Alabama to win this game by at least a touchdown. So that's my college football pick. So heading into our last segment, is our tracks of the week and my track this week is by a stalwart uh original og in the trance genre which is the one that i you know really 
you know, usually pick every week, and that's Ferry Corsten. He's got a track called Mo Chara with Chiaran uh, McCauley, and it's it kind of invokes the old school trance vibe. It's super uplifting, and uh, it's just a really, really good track. So that's my track of the week this week. John, what do you got? Well, it's funny. I'm actually following a little bit here as far as uh, leaning towards the trancier end of the spectrum, I'm going full old school here though. I'm going like, I think this is 1999, something like that. Uh, and it's because although, <laughs> unlike most of the rest of the year, in the last day or two I felt in a bit of a celebratory mood. So the track which sort of goes along with that, it's by, believe it or not, the Venga Boys. Venga Boys, the name of the track is Kiss, but make sure that you're looking for the Airscape remix. Airscape remix of Kiss by the Venga Boys. It's the most celebratory song I've ever heard in my life. Um, I actually heard this song as the New Year's Eve um, midnight turn of the year uh, song at Hunkabunka in the year 2000, and it was amazing. It's one of the greatest songs of all time. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. stuff one of my favorite tracks too so this wraps up another edition of wagers ragers so good luck everybody let your bets be sharp and your caches be bountiful see you next week adios bang <laughs>